This is womensleadershipsuccess.com radio, episode number 83. May I ask you a personal question? Are there circumstances or choices you've made that have you stuck? Do you need some encouragement to take more risks? Or maybe want to control your life and career? If not, do you have a friend or co-worker that might need inspiration? Our special guest today says every day... Every age is the right day and the right age to direct your destiny. Are you ready? Set? Let's go. Welcome to Women's Leadership Podcast, showing you how to influence people, improve your performance, and advance your career. Brought to you by women's leadership and career expert Sabrina Brom and womensleadershipsuccess.com. Here's your chance to meet women trendsetters leading the way to success, accomplishment, and balance in business and life, no matter if you're a manager, CEO, or entrepreneur. Join Sabrina for coaching and no-nonsense advice to improve your career and bottom line. This is womensleadershipsuccess.com radio with Sabrina Brom and our guest, Susan Combs. She served as a Texas State Controller from 2007 to 2015, where she pushed through reforms in state government spending. Previously, she served as Texas Agricultural Commissioner and in the Texas State Legislature. She has also served as an Assistant District Attorney in Dallas, Texas. She's written a great book called Texas Tenacity, A Call for Women to Direct Their Own Destiny. Welcome, Susan. Thanks for being glad to be on. Thank you. Um, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Well, um, basically, I was raised in a ranching family. Uh, my great grandfather started uh, ranching out in the sort of high desert area of Texas, and then I went off to college and worked in New York for six years, various things, and then went came back home, went to law school, was a prosecutor, and then uh, joined my dad uh, in the ranching operation. Um, about 35 years ago, and that was great, learned a lot. And then people suggested, well, gee, I moved to Austin, the state capital, why don't you start going to hearings and things at the state capital? And from there on, it just kind of built up, as you said, Sabrina, I became a, these were all elected positions. I was elected to the legislature, and then as Agriculture Commissioner, the first woman to be so elected, and then tax collector, treasurer, revenue estimator, sort of the CFO for the state, and now I'm working on my women's effort. Wow, that's so wonderful, um, and I just want to commend you for uh, going into public service. You know, we need more women to do that. That's wonderful that you've spent so much time doing that, and now, I'm sorry, go ahead and make a comment about that. Yes, Sabrina, I don't think I would have done that had I not lived at the state capitol. I've worried a lot about women not getting into politics, and in some cases it's because the main place where the office is held, let's say the state capitol, is not where they live. And so um, that that makes a difference. That's um, That really makes a lot of sense. Um, and you, you said you've started uh, – doing things to help women. You've founded an organization called Herdacity. Uh, what's that about? What it is, it actually was a 501c4 called the Anywhere Woman's Project, and that was that a woman's place is anywhere she wants it to be. Well, that's kind of a mouthful, so we decided to call it Herdacity, which is a contraction of the two words her 
and audacity, where women will dare to be the person they want to be, not fulfill somebody else's expectations. And so we're in the sort of final phase of our software development and hope to do a full launch. We'll do a soft launch in March. We'll hope to do a full launch early April, and we want women to come onto the website and meet other women and sort of, you know, progressively get more daring, which is sort of the stronger word to use rather than empowered, more daring to fulfill their personal goals and dreams. Beautiful. And that's herdacity.com. No, no, it's org. Oh, excuse me, herdacity.org. Great. And so how did your book come about? What 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 made you decide to write your book? Well, I was talking to these young women. They said, oh, that's an incredible story. That's a funny story. Why don't you all write this down? And I thought, well, uh, I'll write a book if I believe that, in fact, maybe the book along with Herdacity tells people sort of like I didn't start to get to point Z. I went from A to B and B to C, and then it was a long sort of uh, on and off escalators, on and off various paths. Life, and I thought maybe that will remind other people it's not your life isn't necessarily very linear. I think that's a great thing to tell people. So many times, especially younger women, think that they've got to do things in a linear way. It's great to hear that. Yeah, I, and and I had three kids, and each each change to our family circumstance. You know, the next kid. Uh, in some cases, I really, I uh, after a conversation with my oldest son, I abbreviated my day work schedule uh, by getting home at three o'clock so I could be there after school. I mean, it's just I made the choices that were the best for me and my family while also trying to balance work, and that is the very tough thing for anybody and for those of those who don't have uh, kids, they have other challenges. Everybody has challenges with their particular life circumstance. That That is so true. Um, the, the title, Texas Tenacity, what does that mean to you? Um, well, I think I have a peculiarly Texas perspective on things, but what I try to describe in the book is certain things where I just had to be remarkably tenacious, bullheaded, dogged, uh, determined, you know, and, and I didn't, I don't recollect facing uh, adverse consequences because I was a girl or a woman. I faced you know, closed doors because somebody didn't want me to do something. Mm-hmm. So I, I decided if I wanted to achieve my goal, I would have to be tenacious, mm-hmm. I mean relentlessly tenacious about getting there, but it might require me to have a whole new set of strategies, a whole new set of buddies and allies. And um, I learned a lot about getting things done when doors were shut. It was very, very useful. I uh, I want to go right to that, what you're saying there, because I think so many times women – um, even myself, when you you hit an obstacle and you're not successful, you feel defeated or discouraged. And how do you? What did you do to overcome that? Where you know, okay, you 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 tried really hard to do something and you, the doors slammed in your face. What did you I do think, so you got more tenacious? I think the entire determining factor for me was. How strongly did I feel about the goal? Was it something I felt was a core mission for me, or was it just something I would like? 
if it was just something I would like, I would say, okay, I'm not going to waste my time thinking about it. If it was a core mission, I would do anything and everything I could to get it accomplished. And so uh, in the book, I talk about two particular things. One was about children's nutrition. The other one was about um, telling taxpayers where their money went. Mm-hmm. And in both cases, I had, oh, gosh, every conceivable door was shut. I got kind of hacked off about it, which also was very helpful. I mean, I described my first chapter that I got pissed off, um, and that's a very effective rocket fuel. But also, I had a sort of a high purpose. I thought it was critically important to a group outside of me. Mm-hmm. And and I think being able to think about somebody else besides me, 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 enabled me to be more persistent, more determined, because I was trying to save or help somebody else. And that is pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. I, I find that I do coaching in corporations, and I find uh, women have trouble promoting themselves. And if they can frame it that they're going to be helping all the people that work for them, um, it makes it easier for them to do. So I really I, I agree with what you're saying. Think outside yourself. How's this, how's this going to help big picture? Mm-hmm. You also mentioned that uh, you had a 30 minutes, watching 30 minutes of TV changed your life, which um, I, I got a giggle out of. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. Um, I was living in New York, and um, I was working for the federal government, downtown at Foley Plaza, and it was okay. But, I mean, I just couldn't see anything happening. Well, there was this show called Maud, and uh, B. Arthur was sort of the gravelly-voiced uh, you know, center piece of the short drama. And there was a high school reunion, and Maud's yearbook and all of her past was she was going to be most destined to succeed, Maud the Famous, Maud the Fabulous. Well, Maud was sort of 40, fading, and uh, beached, as I use the word in, in life, and in, <laughs> in flies Bunny. And she had been, I think my recollection, she had been named Bunny because she had buck teeth. Well, she was now this gorgeous actress, and she had her own airplane, and she was incredibly accomplished. And I looked at Maud, whom everybody was kind of terrified of, and then here comes Bunny, and I sort of turned that to myself, and I thought, oh, my goodness. You've turned into Maud. I was like 27. Mm-hmm. And, and I, so the next morning I called and signed up for the law school admission test, and I thought, I am on a path to become Maud if I don't do something right now, and it was great. Never looked back. I love it. I love it. And I think what you're saying is so important to know no matter what age you are. If you're 27 or 47 or 57, the reality is you're going to get older whether you do something or not so you might as well get get into gear and do something right yes and also be attuned to messages from outside i mean i that show i was i was just slack jawed watching this and so somebody might say something to you and it will be so penetrating and you will think that is an epiphany that is an eye-opening mind-bending experience Mm -hmm. so not just that you're going to keep marching down life's path, but be open to a new perspective. Be willing to accept some kind of risk. I didn't know whether I was going to pass the LSAT or not, but I knew I, doggone for sure, was not going to sit there doing what I was I was not going to rot in place where I was. Beautiful. You also see in your book, you say, each one of us possesses some secret skill, some strength, some trait that we may not even recognize that can help us achieve our dreams and focus our aspirations. Do you have some 
suggestions for how somebody can begin to notice those? Yeah, I think I think you have to turn a very analytical eye on where you've been and some circumstances you've been in. Go back and pretend you're watching Mary Smith, whom you don't know. What did Mary do in that meeting, that conversation, um, that you actually think is pretty nifty? <laughs> we, want to make, we don't want to say we're great, but 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 assign Mary Smith this thing that you just did. You say, "Why, why? I think Mary handled that brilliantly." <laughs> and so, you know, your new avatar is Mary Smith, and, uh-huh. and you step back and you say, "Well, you know, when the waiter threw the iced tea all over me." Um, how did I handle that in the restaurant? Well, I didn't punch him out, which is, of course, a great improvement. Um, <laughs> but, but, but I did whatever it was I did. Separate you who you think you are from whom you are by applying a lens that says, you know what, you should be happy with what you did in that circumstance, and ca- encapsulate that. Mm-hmm. This is a trait you have, or you are always the person that everybody says, I am so glad that Sabrina came, boy, she calmed everybody down. She she made everybody feel better. There is something unique to each of us that we're so reluctant to, you know, talk about our own brilliant charms, but we need to because they help us direct our next steps. Beautiful. And and also paying attention to what other people tell you about yourself. What do they say you're great at? Yes, because we don't see ourselves the way they do. You know, the, the classic thing is if you look in the mirror, you're right, the right side of your face looks very different in the mirror than it does in real life. And we look different. And so um, a friend of mine was going through some struggles, and she said, well, she was going to a therapist, and the, she said the therapist said to her, ask all of your friends to say three things that they believe are true about you. I think that's beautiful. It's, but my gosh, she got very excited. We all said, you're vulnerable, but you take risks, and that you care about people. That was, wow, vulnerable, take risks, care about people. This woman had risked lots of different uh, jobs, but she was vulnerable. But, boy, she was still willing to take those risks and move ahead. She, it helped her. It helped her on her next path. Beautiful. Um, you also talk about opportunity holds out its hand and we have to reach for it. Um, yep. and, and you said sometimes our grasp falls short and we have to back up and reach again. Yeah, you kind of talked about that before, but can you? how can we notice the opportunities? Well, I'll give you an example. Um, and sometimes we don't even recognize it's an opportunity. Um, somebody says, well, why don't you go apply for a job? Well, I don't think I can do that. Well, go ahead and try it. Uh, that's one kind. Another kind was that there was a circumstance out uh, on the ranch, and there was um, a problem about a transmission line right of way, et cetera, et cetera. And I had zero—I mean, zero—background in electricity, electric transmission, you know, regulatory environment, et cetera. But basically, there was this opportunity which turned into a necessity that a couple of us just had to start thinking about it, and so. Um, we were facing huge, well-funded law firms, and this was about our own particular ranches. And so the opportunity for me, which I didn't recognize at the time, to learn something entirely different, to see myself in a completely different way, 
was going ahead and dealing with this particular transmission line. That I guess what I would wrap that up in, into another phrase and say that events can show you who you are. Mm-hmm. Even if you would not have, looking back, as I sort of deconstructed it, I didn't realize I could do what I did. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that I could do it until I got through the door and looked back. Right. I think that's so beautiful, and I can think of that in my own experience. It, and a part of it is just being willing to show up and do what you can do, even if you yeah. don't know all the answers to it. And you may be surprised at how much how much you accomplish just by doing well, and that. And so, so let's suppose you find uh, you stub your toe, you're halfway through this project. Well, that doesn't mean don't reach out a hand ever in the future. It means figure out where you stubbed your toe, uh, figure out how not to do that, and then keep your hand out, keep reaching. It, it's sort of like coming back to Maud. Mm-hmm. I hadn't reached out to take that LSAT. I mean, where would I be today? I have no idea. But it seemed like, okay, I'll spend the 80 bucks or 40 bucks, whatever it was. I'll go. It's in two weeks. I had to cram like crazy, and I aced it. But I didn't know I was going to ace it. Mm-hmm. And so you just you keep reaching. That's where we women are have not been trained, I don't think, to be risk takers. Watch out, you'll skin your knee. Don't 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 fall off your bicycle. Whereas the little boy, I mean, we expect the little boy to have his you know, he's fallen in a mud pool mud pool and look like the Dickens. Mm-hmm. We're not supposed to. And so we're trained not to accept risk, you know, from eighteen months old. Yeah, I think that's that's good. I- I have somebody that I'm working with who's has a, a time period in her resume where she wasn't working, and this has become a big block for her. She feels really embarrassed, like, well, what is everybody going to say? And they're they're not going to hire me because I didn't work for these two years. What would she you? Did she wouldn't. She wouldn't. You know, in a time capsule, she did something. <laughs> exactly. And what she has to do is step back and say, well, what did I do for two years? I may, I, Myrtle, whatever her name is, I may have decided that I wanted to get off into the nonprofit world and I wanted to go help. I had five separate projects that I wanted to do, and I wanted to go be more involved with my family. Whatever it is, she did not waste her time. Right, so she can just put that down on her resume. Yes, but she, but she made a deliberate step. She did something. Some, in some force, she applied her own decision-making to, I'm going to do something different here. If she lost her job and if she couldn't find another job, she has got to put that with a bow on it and say, I was so lucky to have these two years to do A, B, and C. They changed my life, and they will have changed her life. I, I love it. I love it. I'm, and I, I think that a lot of people listening to this are really going to uh, in get a lot out of what you just said. And I wanted to ask you, in your book you you uh, talk about be, you were physically abused. Would you mind sharing that story with us? And let me just tell you, the reason I would like you to share it is that one out of every four women is in a, is in a relationship where she's being abused, and I don't think there's enough... Um, that I don't think people say publicly that they've had this experience and give people encouragement that they can have something different happening. Would you mind sharing that story? Of course. 
Yeah, um, I got into a bad first marriage because I didn't think I was worth more. And so I was willing to sort of accept the first guy that sort of came down the pike, as they say. Mm-hmm. Then I was, it sort of just morphed into him getting really uh, crazy. I mean, literally crazy, had to be uh, committed to a hospital. Mm-hmm. But I didn't tell any family member or any friend I was mortified, love that old word, it's just a horrible old word, embarrassed, I didn't want to tell anybody. Um, I had picked him, so I I made his behavior my fault. Mm -hmm. If I hadn't picked him, this wouldn't have happened. Well, that's crazy. That's nonsense. Um, Finally, it got to the point he was slamming my head on the stairs. I thought he was going to break my neck, and I really, I knew... One of us was going to die. Either I was going to try to fight back or he was going to kill me. I literally ran for my life um, in uh, from my father's house. We'd been staying there for a day in San Antonio. And I just I grabbed the car keys and left barefooted, had my purse, didn't have a suitcase, didn't have anything, just ran for my life literally, never went back. So a couple of lessons I learned from that. One is there is always somebody who will take you in, always. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. was a high school friend, but it may be your church. It may be you pound on the door of a neighbor three blocks away. There's mm-hmm. somebody who will help you. Number two, we want to help each other. And so what what I did was that when I left, um, I decided I couldn't go back. Um, I think, I mean, it was the right decision to do, and we ended our marriage a couple of months later. But you have to not wait and be embarrassed. Start talking to somebody that you trust that will not betray you, will not rat you out to the abuser, mm-hmm. and you start making an exit plan. Mm-hmm. And when I handled all these child abuse cases when I was an assistant DA, I saw instance after instance after instance where women themselves got abused or they allowed their child to be abused. Mm-hmm. And so they felt powerless, and there are you know, sort of social systems in place, but they're oftentimes not very effective. I still think that a personal family friend or your church or, you know, synagogue, someplace where you feel that you have a faith basis or a, you know, a fellow Rotarian or whatever, mm-hmm. people want to help. If there's a cry for help, they want to respond. And I am always so impressed with the capacity for our, you know, fellow humans to care and love about us. Mm-hmm. And to not be ashamed that it's happened, but just just start well, that, taking the steps that, to get yeah. out of this. And, and then, from my own experience, this was, in a horrible way, a very important learning experience for me. I learned a lot about other people, about how to help other people, about how to deal with these child abuse cases. It certainly made me, I think, a more effective advocate. Mm-hmm. So, there, so the fact that I wasn't permanently harmed, uh, which was lucky. I mean, there are people who I saw had, you know, collarbones broken and all kinds of stuff. I didn't. But I learned a lot. And so my life, in a weird way, is better for that horrible experience. Mm-hmm. And And it sounds like that's, it's my philosophy. It sounds like it's yours too. That whatever happens to you, you're going to find a way to learn something from it, so you can move on and make the best of your life. 
Absolutely. There is never a permanent lemon that does not go and make some lemonade. I mean, I'm dead serious about that. There's always something good that comes out of it. Beautiful. We're running out of time, but I want to ask you a couple more questions. Um, you you say you say for women to just ask for the raise. Well, for lots of women, this is super difficult to do. Um, yep. Any suggestions? Yeah, and I think what you have to do is you have to script it out, and you've got to you've got to play act with other people, and so it's it's a kind of a um, it's kind of like this. Um, uh, a cookie. There's this sweet part where you start out. I mean, this is actually works for everybody. Everybody loves to be endlessly flattered. We're just, you know, social creatures. So, at least I would say, you know, the supervisor. I just want to tell you how much I enjoy working with you. Uh, I've learned so much. I am. I am learning so much. Present tense. Don't slip to the past. Mm-hmm. And you've taught me to do A, B, and C, whatever those things are. And so, you know, I think. Uh, I've, I love the work. I love the hard work, and I'm ready to kind of take that next step and that next raise. And so, here's what I'm proposing: I would like you to think about giving me a raise that is X percent in Y circumstances, and it depends on where you work. Some, you know, governmental city counties, et cetera, they have you know three percent, five percent, so you're sort of locked in. Other places in the private sector have a little more freedom, but you start with praise. You talk about yourself second, and then you close back up with the praise and say, and if they if they don't give you the raise, you say, well, I'll tell you what I'd like. I'd like the opportunity to come back and talk with you in three to four months and see if there are some things that I have done that actually make that more likely because I so much appreciate working with you. I like being here, and I want to know how I can improve to get that raise. Beautiful. That is beautiful, and I've I've had other people on the show that have talked about how to ask for a raise, and this was five star. This was just really, really good. I loved it. So we're just a, go ahead. Make it all about them. If you make it all about them, who can resist being charmed? Right. Exactly. So we're just about out of time, and I'm wondering what what other encouragement would you like to give to the women listening? Um, well. I would say you really can survive just about anything, and being being uh, sort of tenacious does pay off. And I would also say we all have various kinds of fear. Just just take your fear out and put it on the table and look at it as though it's a foreign object. And ask, <laughs> and ask yourself, well, what if? Oh, is that what's going to happen? Well, that's not so bad. And then you find out the fear the fear thing shrinks and gets smaller and smaller. Well, I can do that. It's not so scary. But the more the less we look at it, the less we t- talk to it and think about it, it gets bigger. And so you've got to sh- you've got to shrink it, and that way you move forward. Beautiful. Well, to my audience, if you want to be inspired and amused by Susan Combs, Combs, be sure and read her book Texas Tenacity. Thank you so much, Susan. Thank you. I hope you like this show. If you did, I would really appreciate your help. I need more great reviews in iTunes or Stitcher.com because every great interview we get allows more women like you to discover the show and will help them to succeed too. Please visit iTunes or Stitcher and subscribe to Women's Leadership Success Podcast. Also, I really appreciate you sharing my show with your friends and associates. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining your host, Sabrina Brahm, on another Women's Leadership Podcast. 
If you have questions or comments, you can email her at sabrina at sabrinabrahm.com. Since 1989, Sabrina and her team have helped hundreds of women managers, business leaders, and entrepreneurs with valuable trainings, articles, books, and executive coaching. For additional tips, interviews, and free access to Great Leaders Today mini-course, visit www.womensleadershipsuccess.com.